Seeger left-hand side. That is down, and the Mariners will take the lead in a big way. Third run coming. It is a three-run double for Kyle Seeger, and it's 7-4 Seattle. 2-2 struck him out. And 8-4 is your final score. The Mariners with a win, Steve. This one better left forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. As Steve Stone would say, not particularly good. No. White Sox lose to Seattle today, 8-4. Welcome back in on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm Mark Grody. Yeah, the Mariners scored seven runs in the sixth inning. Kyle Seeger with that hit off of Matt Foster. Just a torturous inning for the White Sox reliever Foster. Is having a rough year so far for the White Sox out of that bullpen in some very key spots, obviously. Let's talk about this game and the Chicago White Sox with a man who knows. He is Ryan McGuffey of NBC Sports Chicago. And, Ryan, I swear to God, I've been sitting here since the show started at 7 o'clock, and I've had NBC Sports Chicago on because I watched the end of the Sox game. I've got it on mute. And and now the Sox encore has popped on Sox and Mariners again. Do I want to watch this game again, Ryan McGuffey? No, no. I mean, who likes that much? I mean, how much punishment can you take in one in one afternoon that could lead? I mean, that, we're talking. That's a three-hour and forty-minute. Uh, you're talking about getting yourself to about eleven thirty. You want to go through that again? No, 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 no. Especially <laughs> as this game goes on, and they they inevitably once we get through the. The, the walks thrown by Justin Dunn, oh. then uh, inevitably, how about that? Let's, I mean, we'll get into some of the meat of this, but Justin Dunn, the starter for Seattle today, goes four and two-thirds, allowed three runs on one hit, and he walked eight, and the Sox lose this game today. What was that? I mean, the White Sox got into double digits in walks. I mean, believe it or not, I believe how they passed the Yankees for leading the majors in walks. That is a category the White Sox have ranked near the bottom of the major leagues for the last 15, 20 years. So, okay. I mean, if we're, if, we're, if we're going through the weeds here after seven games, that, that's definitely a positive. But, yeah, I mean, like, you just didn't even – you didn't even feel good during that time. Like, the walks were good. I, I, it was more about the at-bat. I mean, you certainly like to see guys have good at-bats and draw walks. I, you know, I don't want to poo-poo that. It's just so bad of what like what happened in that sixth inning to follow it. I mean, you know, if you, if anyone watched Frank and Ozzy on the postgame show, and and you know they, you know, if anybody's going to tell like it is, those two are. And you know, I love when like when someone's like you know, with all due respect, but you always know like the insult's coming. <laughs> That's a trick we all pull off. The, yes. The, yeah, exactly. The Mariners, you know, for lack, they're a Triple A team. That happened uh-huh. to have Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Seeger on it. Like, that's who they are. It was just – that's a long flight, man. That's a long mm. flight today. But, again, it's 7 of 162. But there's definitely a lot – there are some things to be concerned about, I think. Yeah, and for people who, who did not watch the game, and maybe you're just hearing about it for the first time, that in that sixth inning, the Sox had a 4-1 lead – Matt Foster relieved Dallas Keuchel um, with a couple men on. He allowed a hit to load the bases, then a couple of RBI singles, a sack fly to tie the game, 
and then the the three run double to as as you mentioned Ryan McGuffey Kyle Seeger that ultimately cleared the bases and I thought what was interesting in that inning is that Tony Larusa had nobody warming up during that frame so he he eventually did pull him out of that game but it but Larusa's attitude was it was one of those. This is your inning, kid. You're 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 on your own. You're going to be on an island in this inning. Were you surprised that there was nobody warming up during that inning until there finally was? A thousand percent. It made no sense. Absolutely no sense. Uh, and to to you know to Tony Larusa's credit, this is the one thing I will say. He he hit it head on in post game, and flat out said, "I did a lot." His direct quote was, "I did a lousy job managing." When you're talking yeah. about in regard in regards to the sixth inning, the quote was, "I did a lousy job managing." Wow. And yeah, so look, there's a lot. The, the spotlight is heavy on Tony La Russa throughout. It's going to be throughout the year. I mean, and, and, and rightfully so. And for him to come out and in, in, in a game where everybody was asking the exact same questions, either to each other or on Twitter to each other, about what is Matt Foster still doing in there. He came out and said, basically, I lost the game. Now, he didn't, you know, if you, if, again, if we're searching through the words here, but to, to come out and say, I did a lousy job managing and I don't like the way this tastes, and, I don't, and, you know, the best part is we get to move on, yada, yada, yada. He kept coming back to, you know, the media kept asking him to elaborate on it. He said, you know, look, like, and then he didn't really want to, and then Matt mm-hmm. Foster's name came up and he said, you know, well, look, if you watched the game and you, and you saw what Matt was doing there, I, he just was in too long. So, you know, good on Tony La Russa for hitting it head on because not all, it, as we know, and, you, and you've been very much a part of coaches who have dodged those questions, he, he hit it head on. So, yeah, to answer your question, I'm sitting there shaking my head with every batter that walks into the box going, how long can this go on? I mean, at some point, enough's enough. And, you know, it was before that too, though. I mean, it just wasn't all on Matt Foster. You know, Keiko comes in to the sixth inning, 4-1 lead, as you mentioned. It's a clean inning, and here comes the defense again. You know, oh. this little kind of Kansas City special, as Hawk would say, a bloop in the right field. Adam Eaton throws it away. Danny Mendick probably should have got in front of the ball. He doesn't. He, he allows it to go by him at second base. Dallas Keiko's not backing him up. Like, fundamentally, that's where I'm at. I don't know what's going on. Like, and it seems that some of the players don't either. This is not just a Nick Madrigal thing. The defense, and I, you know, I asked this question in postgame to Tony, that when do, when do you see a trend that disturbs you? And, and when is there a trend where you say, okay, there's going to be some market correctness here because we're in game seven of 162. And I was speaking specifically to the defense. And, you know, he asked about, well, what play did you see today? And I was like, well, this one. And <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, you know, we're talking about double-digit runs here. We're, we're, we're coming up on double-digit unearned runs allowed by the White Sox in seven games. And that's if you're going to go where the White Sox keep talking about going, I and mean, that's winning the World Series, you have to be buttoned up defensively. And I and look, I'm not a person – I have matured in my years and not gotten so invested in, 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 into what one three-game series or four-game series or one road trip could mean. But I do know enough to see how things can unravel over the course of a season early on. And if things are not buttoned up, they can be more of the norm than they are, you know, of the of the of the other. 
And defensively right now, this team needs to improve like yesterday. And that's, that, that to me, and that's, that kind of led to this whole Matt Foss. Like that's where the sixth inning started is that, you know, yeah. this kind of bloop play, this ugly defense. It, it very much looked like a little league play where the right fielder kind of underthrew the second baseman who allowed it to go by him and the pitcher wasn't there. And it's just, what is going on here? You know? And I just, there's been one big inning, one unravel after another. If you look at all of these games on this road trip, you can make a very valid argument that the White Sox should be going home six and one. <laughs> if not a play here or there that allows a reliever to go from, or a starter starting pitcher to go from a 10 pitch inning to a 35 pitch inning, which now shortens his start. It's short, you know, it, it's taxing the bullpen. And here we are talking about the same problem again and again and again in, in the first week. Yeah. And you know, two, I think two errors officially for the white Sox today, but I don't know if you caught it. There was the, the, the ball that was hit out into right field, Luis Roberts and mm-hmm. uh, Eaton had a mm-hmm. communication. Like it was like it, it. I'm still shocked that that ball that there wasn't a collision yeah. or the ball didn't didn't drop in there. So and and that scares me because Eaton's a veteran and Luis Robert is a Gold Glover. So I don't know what was going on with the communication there. If nobody was calling that ball and both were just thinking the that they had it and the other was going to back off. So I mean that's like. That's communication. That that's mental stuff, and not just the physical error types, which you can handle. Yeah, and that's and that that's that's again that's why I'm concerned. Like you kind of that's where the spotlight rotates back to the coaching staff. The Luis Robert thing, you know, we made we had a lot of fun with it last year. And I say we kind of you know like the media, the fans about Aloy being in left field and Luis Robert uh-huh. running from gap to back gap and kind of you know catching everything. Catching everything is a like that's a great trait to have but it doesn't have to be literal there's no real there's no real reason for for Luis robert to to, to come and catch that ball today for i from adam eaton because I, I thought the exact same thing as you did it's like what are we doing here yeah. i mean like it, at some point like it's not going to be that funny anymore and they have to figure that out if, if that's what it's going to be where Luis robert is allowed to, ro- to roam into right field and left field and catch everything then that just needs to be the message that's you know, relayed to everyone right now, because as you said, the next time I, I'm still with you, like it was a miracle in some ways that that ball was caught. So if that continues to be something, you know, you're going to see some kind of collision or mis- con- continued miscommunication. It's like, like you said, and, and you've been around the Cubs. So, I mean, there's so much, there's so many little things in a baseball game that can lead to a week that could lead to a month that could lead to a season that add up over the course of 162 games and a grind. And these are the little type of things. And when you're talking, again, it's one thing if you're in the year two of a rebuild and this stuff's happening, you're, you expect it, but not where you're expecting to win the world series. Yeah, man, no doubt about it. And the, the, the standards are high for the White Sox. The, that is that is why we are going to, to nitpick this stuff. And I'm sure the Sox are crushing themselves for this. And I, I don't want to, just make this kill Matt Foster night all night. But I'll ask you one more question about him. What do you think Tony La Russa needs to do with him? Because today was one day, but it's not the first time 
recently that he's had. I mean, he gave up the three-run homer to Jared Walsh on, on Sunday night. And I was even going back to the to the Oakland series in game three when he walked in a couple of guys. I don't know if that's still in his head. I might be getting a little bit too sports talk radio-y when I go to that. But does Tony have to do something for Matt Foster? Let, let it rest, or is he a throw-him-right-back-out there type of guy? Probably a combination of both. I mean, you you know with relievers that, you know, it's what have you done for me lately, and you know, we always talk about the short memory and stuff, but confidence is so important in baseball. And you got you, we're at the point now where Matt Foster has allowed as many earned runs this season as he allowed in the 28 and two-thirds he pitched in 2020. So, again, I don't think this is as much a Matt Foster problem as, a, as the things that kind of led to it. But, yeah, it's clear that he's struggling. So, at this point, you got to kind of find, be very calculative when you're talking about his work and find a spot where you're up six to one in the sixth inning or hopefully the sixth, seventh or eighth inning later in the game and where you can use him to get some work and get, some, get, get that confidence back because his stuff is nasty. It's filthy. It's still there. It's just location right now. I mean, even today he had uh, uh, this, uh, the Mariner second baseman at Ty France. He had yeah. him at 0-2 early on, and Ty France looked confused. And France, give him credit, battled his butt off to 3-2, and eventually it led to a walk. He fouled off a bunch of pitches. I mean, there's really nothing Matt Foster did in that particular at-bat that was wrong. He just got out-dueled by a, a, a hitter in that case, and you got to tip your cap. But the problem is the unraveling it had already begun, and when you're a guy that's struggling, and you're, you, you just, you know, you got to have – you got to get the outs. And right now at this point with Matt Foster, I don't want to say you can't rely on him because look, there's a, we're going to crush. Like there's a lot to crush tonight, but there, there's, there, there are a lot of surprises in the first seven games. Um, But Matt Foster just needs some confidence. And, and I think it's, it's very doable. And there are some definitely, there are some definite spots where you can get him some work, especially here in the, you know, in the coming days. Talking to Ryan McGuffey of NBC Sports Chicago. He covers the White Sox, and we are talking about the White Sox and their loss today to Seattle 8-4. to I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Let's talk about some of the good stuff, Ryan. And <laughs> Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet so far, especially Kopech, considering he didn't play last year, and he's just looked completely lights out. I, I sit When I watch those guys, I can't help but think, my God, I can't wait until, assuming they are, assuming that it does happen, I can't wait to see these guys as starters again. They need them in the bullpen right now. But what are you thinking when you're watching Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet this year? Good luck. I mean, (laughs) that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking right now you're talking about going from Lucas Giolito for six innings or whatever it's going to be. In this case, you know, five. they need him to go six innings whatever. And then I think Carlos Rodon said it best the other day. Rodon goes five innings, he strikes out nine. And then they go, they follow up Rodon with Michael Kopech, who strikes out five in, in two innings. I mean, Rodon even was like, you know, I saw Kopech coming in and started laughing, thinking, man, the poor, the poor Mariners. Because the Kopech's, this is the Michael Kopech that I expected. I think this is Michael Kopech that a lot of people thought that they, the White Sox were getting when the hype train came with Michael Kopech. But then obviously the two year, you know, nearly two year hiatus there with injury and opting out and stuff. It led a lot of people to, there was definitely more questions than answers. Let's put it that way. And it's still early, but I'm with you. I, 
can we fast forward, please, and get yeah. and see what it's like to have these guys every five days? Because I just think, I mean, you, you when I watch them right now, Mark, I, I look at them, I watch them as starters. And that seems weird because you can see it when they're on the mound. And the way LaRusse is using them, he's using them right now as these multi-inning Swiss Army Knife guys. So they're not pitching every day. He kind of has them every third day. So they're building up the, the inning space, and you can just kind of – that's why I'm watching them as starters because it's kind of like they're, they're being built on the fly here to be that and to see how filthy they are. And, and, and as like, I just love watching Kopech pitch anyway, but seeing him when he slaps the glove or he walks off the mound, he gives that fist pump, with each out that he records at the major league level, I just think that's – for him specifically, I just think it matters a little bit more than it does Garrett Crochet because Garrett Crochet, it was like, hey, you're drafted. We're throwing you in Schaumburg. We're going to make the playoffs. We need you for the final week. And he just kind of was – and it worked. And yeah. then he had the whole offseason to kind of take a deep breath, realize, okay, like I don't – I'm going to have a very uncharacteristic time in the minor leagues, which is virtually none. And here he is again as a – as a dominant bullpen guy to be built to start. It's it's look, watch out the rest, like the rest of to, to think about those two guys is being a four or five in a rotation. And not, not to say that the expectation on them won't be higher than that at some point, but that's exactly what you're going to put on them with this team, with these expectations in 2022 is that just put groom them for the back end, let them learn from the veterans in the front end and <laughs> let it ride because I, I, I'm always like, okay, wait, when did Kopech pitch? When did Crochet pitch? And are, are uh-huh. they going to pitch tonight? Because that is the, <laughs> like, that's a, that's the point of television that I need to carve out for. Yeah. And th- I think it puts White Sox fans in a weird predicament because the only way that they're going to be starters this year is if Carlos Rodon and Dylan Cease like fail or not, not able to be productive. Cease was not great in his first start. However, Rodon, and it's one start, he he was pretty good in that first start. What did you think of, of Rodon, and what do you think about him going forward? Because we know it doesn't always last with Rodon. Here's what I think White Sox fans should be rooting for. Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon. Because I think we've seen the glimpses and the flashes from Crochet and Kopech, and you know the investment in those two from the White Sox in the front office. You know those guys are going to be here. But you should be rooting in the meantime for Dylan Cease to take the next step and become a dominant pitcher. And at this point for me, you talked about expectations for Carlos Rodon. I just want health. Like mm-hmm. that 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 should be the expect like to me, that's what you should be rooting for for Carlos Rodon. You shouldn't be rooting for well, you can root for whatever you want, I guess, but <laughs> Carlos Rodon was a very high pick, as we all know. It just hasn't panned out. It's been injury after injury after injury. I didn't think they were going to bring him back. I was a little surprised when they did. And when I watched him pitch the other night, I'm thinking, man, what a good story this would be. You know, that, that win he had the other night was almost two years to the day of his last win. So what a great story it would be if Carlos Rodon just made 30 starts, right? Like that, to me, would be uh, – the glass completely full of Carlos Rodon and re- and you're kn- knowing that you're going to get bumps in the roads and knowing that the expectations are that he's going to be your five starter. If he shows any glimpse 
of being a top three pick. Okay. Well, guess what just happened? You, you're, you went from a, a three horse rotation to a four horse and Dylan sees who knows, yeah. like he could take the step. So to me, I just think root hard for the two guys that are currently in that spot. If you're a white Sox fan, knowing that you have these luxury items in the bullpen and then hope that Carlos Rodon can just give you health. I think that's a realistic expectation. And, and I think that's a realistic goal. Uh, and I think Carlos Rodon would tell you that. I think he just wants to be healthy. So, that that's what that's what personally, if you're just asking me, that's personally what I that's my expectation. I don't even know if expectations. That's that's it's more of a maybe a goal. Like I think that people should root for. It's just if Carlos Rodon can give you 28 to 32 starts, he's really he's only done that one other time. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That yeah, it it is all about health with Rodon. We know what he is capable of when he is healthy. So yeah, it is about him staying uh, sturdy throughout the year. Ryan McGuffey tomorrow is the the home opener, obviously on NBC Sports Chicago. What do you get? You guys got like a three hour pregame plan? What's what's going on? What what's the festivities going down tomorrow? Yeah, two o'clock. Uh, One-hour pregame show. It'll have Frank Ozzy, Chuck Garfine. We will have all of the pomp and circumstance from the ballpark. So if you're not one of the 8,500 or so fans that are at, lucky enough to be at Guaranteed Rate Field tomorrow, you know, sit back, relax, and strap it down, as our old friend Hawk would say. <laughs> and uh, we'll have all of it for you, the lineups, the videos. There's a presentation of Jose Abreu's MVP trophy. So, yeah, we'll be there. We'll have you, we'll get you started at two o'clock. We'll ride out the game, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a White Sox win that everyone's talking about, and not, you know, bullpen miscues, a ground ball through somebody's legs, unearned runs. Hopefully, we can get this thing back. It'll just, you know, what to be honest with you, it'll just be so good, and it was, it was so good to see the Cubs at Wrigley Field with fans in the stands yeah. this week, and yep. it, it'll just be so good to see the ballpark either in person or on, on television with fans in the stands and people eating hot dogs, wearing White Sox jerseys and the White Sox being back on the South side. I think it's just like that to me, regardless of the baseball that's being played on both sides of town, you can nitpick the hell out of both as we are that that should be your lasting image of the first seven days of the season. Seeing just having baseball back in some kind of fashion where people can see it live. Well, and that, and that, brings up another quick point here and that's that these Sox fans haven't even had a chance to to react to some of what went like live to what went down last year having Jose Abreu yep. as the MVP hello Luis Robert hello your mean Mercedes so I'm looking forward to some of the fan reaction and who who is going to get the loudest is it going to be your mean that gets the loudest cheer out at guaranteed rate field tomorrow you know what? I think it will be. Isn't that crazy to think about? <laughs> like, really I, I, I really do think. I mean, TA will probably be there. I don't know if Aloy will be there. Yeah. Those guys, I mean, obviously, Abreu, Abreu, you got to expect Abreu, especially coming off the MVP. But, you know, to add to your point, Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal made their mm-hmm. major league debuts last year. Yeah. Obviously, no one saw it. You had Dallas Keuchel and Yasmani Grandal make their White Sox debuts. No one saw it. Lance Lynn's making his White Sox debut tomorrow. At least someone will see it. Tony LaRusso. Like, it's, there's a 25 to 30% of the team that, that have played at the ballpark and never played. Like, they're basically kind of redoing their debut. And 
like you mentioned, fans did not get a chance to to be there in person and, and either acknowledge one way or the other their, I guess, love-hate relationship with each day of 162. And I think <laughs> yep. that, that'll be – and even th- think about it. Even, like, guys like Co- – like, this will be the first time Kopech will be introduced on opening day. Oh this will be the, God, the first time fans – the first time fans will see him since, you know, in two years. So there's a lot going on here. I mean, 2018 was the last time they saw Michael Kopech. I mean, Garrett Crochet made his major league debut. No one saw it. You can go up. Like we could keep sitting here and and coming up with names. There's a lot of new at the ballpark tomorrow. So look, I just, I like the, the, the great thing about baseball and the worst thing about baseball is that there's, they play every day. Um, yeah. So tomorrow, if you're going to the game, if you're watching the game, just like I know there's so much tradition. Like I think about the tradition of opening day and, you know, the baseball being handed down to you. It's just you have no say in it. You're born into this world. It's like here's my misery passed on to you. And that's what's so great about baseball. And for all of you who have traditions and, and things that whether they are going to be tweaked tomorrow or not, you know, enjoy the ride of tomorrow and what, the, what that is and, you know, We'll dissect the rest of the, you know, the 162 games, what's left of that after that. But enjoy, just enjoy the, the ability to go to the ballpark and, and see baseball and eat a hot dog and, and all that stuff. Amen, man. And it is uh, Sox in Seattle uh, in the encore performance, still scoreless, top of the second inning. So things are going well the second time around. <laughs> Rarely am I telling people to turn off. NBC Sports Chicago, but uh, you know it's still really nice outside. And uh-huh. if you get out have there. a fire pit or a glass of wine, or just want to get away from, you still have a headache from what you watched an hour or so ago. You know, turn the TV off. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this conversation we had probably satiated a a certain f- faction of Sox fans that just needed to hear about this and talk about everything that went wrong in this game. And now we officially turn the page. Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Hey, and now I get to go from this to taping a fresh edition of the White Sox Talk podcast, which will drop in the morning breaking down the first week of the season and what we liked and what needs some work. So I can, all you, all you did was you got me lathered up and ready to go. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me, Mark, as always, you know, I'm here for you anytime. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it, man. That is Ryan McGuffey of NBC Sports Chicago. That was a terrific conversation with him. It, I mean, there was like, so much that happened in this White Sox game today, the, the eight, four loss. And again, that is the, Kind of the essence of Sports Talk Radio, breaking down minutiae and all things good and bad that can occur within nine innings of a baseball game. And yeah, White Sox do have their home opener tomorrow, 3-10 against the, the Kansas City Royals. And then they get the the Midwest opening day, day off the next day before they, they have a couple more day games against uh, Kansas City. And I think Cleveland comes to town after that. So a bunch of division games on the way for the Chicago White Sox. All right, we're late for a break, but it was worth it after that conversation. Coming up in about 10 minutes from right now, 840 We will talk about the Cubs game today, and there is much to discuss from that as well. Bruce Levine of Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com will join us to discuss that. I'm Mark Grody. This is 
Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Go White Sox. This is Sports Radio 670, the score, and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station. All right, we're going to talk to Bruce Levine about the Cubs in about five minutes from right now. The Cubs lost to the Brewers today, 4-2-10. and 10. We will pick that game apart with Bruce. And then coming up at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock, we are going to hear from Tony La Russa because the White Sox defense, again, not good today. They had a base running blunder. And then Tony La Russa, apparently, I haven't heard this yet, but looking from within about the way he managed that sixth inning in which it all came undone for Matt Foster and Tony La Russa had nobody warming up in that inning. And it was the old Matt Foster on an island. It's all, it's all you, kid. You got nobody helping you out. And the game was lost. Right there. So we'll hear what Tony Larusa has to say about that. I am I'm looking forward to that for sure. Couple things I want to follow up on our conversation with Ryan McGuffey about the White Sox. And there was there was a ball that was hit out in a right field that Adam Eaton and Luis Robert almost had a miscue on, almost collided, or neither was allowing the other to take the baseball. It was Eaton's ball. And Luis Robert was doing what he does, entering the territory of other outfielders. And as Ryan McGuffey said, and you know we talked about this last year, it was a cute thing where Robert would coast into right field often at, for in front of Aloy Jimenez, and oftentimes, like literally, step in front of him and take the baseball. Now we get it. Eloy Jimenez is a bad outfielder, so you want him to take as many of the balls as possible. That is Luis Robert. But like sometimes, like that that was not a good thing. And and I bring this up because there were several times like every time that happened on like when I was listening to radio sometimes last year, and Darren Jackson, who's you know, obviously been there forever with the White Sox doing color on the radio, and he he also was a very good outfielder in his life, Darren Jackson. From the beginning, when Luis Robert was doing that, he was saying, "Stop doing that! Like it's not cute. Like, and you know, you can't. Like, if it's a ball that is, you know, gonna gonna be tough for Aloy to catch, then yeah, that's a different story. But actually, going deep into right field and stepping in front of a guy, no. And and you can't. Like, they got away with it today. Eaton caught that ball out in right field, but that's that's a danger." area like especially now until Aloy gets back you might have at times competent outfielders other than Luis Robert um I know Billy Hamilton was banged up today uh but yeah I mean that that is something that they as good as Robert is they've they've got somebody Daryl Boss has got to say to Luis Robert yeah you're great and and you're going to cover the most territory while you're out here but but don't step in other guy in front of other guys. Let, let's not get out of control with this. We'll, well talk Mark, more yeah, about the White that, Sox. That's, yeah, that's a great uh, point. We'll bring on Bruce here in a second. It's a great point because I was thinking about that too. It it starts bad habits and it, it creates yeah. bad habits, right? And you have competent outfielders, like you said. What happens when Adam Engel starts playing regularly and Adam Eaton's your everyday right fielder? I mean, these guys yeah. can cover ground, but the issue is when I saw it. 
bases loaded at this point, and it was a sack right. fly. If they both pull up and step back and let the ball drop, how does that look? That's going to set Sox fandom on fire. Oh, yeah, and, and that's why I brought it up with Ryan and why I'm bringing it up now, Mike, because if if that happens right there, that a game that was already awful becomes becomes much worse for sure. So it, it is worth – like these are things that are worth bringing up because you could put these kind of things – like it's, it's a quick word with Luis Robert, who obviously is excellent at what he does, but he's got to tighten up that one aspect – of of just like on like relatively routine fly balls you gotta trust the other outfielders all right we are going to bring in bruce levine next to talk about a frustrating cubs loss they fall to the brewers four to two in ten take a quick break and we'll bring in bruce levine here on chicago sports radio 670 the score this is sports radio 670 the score and 670 the score.com chicago sports station Hap hits a high fly ball shallow left coming in as yelich a routine play he makes the catch and the ball game is over ian Hap retired on a fly ball to left so the cubs had a chance but milwaukee hangs on they win the ball game four to two in ten innings. Well, yeah, Cubs loaded the bases in the tenth inning. Brad Boxberger got Ian Happ to pop out, called by Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer, right here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score: Cubs lose to the Crew four two in. 10 innings, and the story continues to be for the Cubs. They're just not hitting, man. Not hitting the baseball. They did get a Jock Peterson home run. That was nice to see. His first hit of the season, incidentally, was that home run by Jock Peterson. But the Cubs didn't have a hit for for six innings today until Ian Happ had a single in the seventh inning, and the Cubs go down again. Let's talk about the Cubs and their offensive woes so far on the year with our guy Bruce Levine of 670thescore.com he's on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine what's going on Brewster you know the problem is Mark I figured it out oh good the Cubs the Cubs need a new quarterback (laughs) is that is that all they make a trade for Russell Wilson and that'll fix the Fix the Cubs. That that's the problem. It's a it's a, it's a, 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 a eternal problem that uh, travels from team to team. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It's yeah. eventually one of these teams when things are going bad need a new quarterback. That's and right. Quarterback the, is case, the most important position in sports, and I don't see a quarterback on the Cubs. You're right, Bruce. In my household, it was not the most important position. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> well, that means that we discussed different positions on the uh-huh. field and uh, others were more important than, yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, before we dig ourselves in further, I mean, you could expand on that if you'd like, but I think you just did. Um, Do you want to talk, you, you want to talk sports or, I mean, we can, you know, no, we, can do, I, we can do the Saturday Suckage show if you wish. I, I would, if you if you can articulate and describe the positions that have gone down in the Levine household through the years, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear. Well, I've who's on first. Yeah, that's true. And plus, if we were really going to do this, it would be mean not to have Steve Rosenblum and join the suckage with us too, right? No, that that part's good. 
Yeah, very true. That part's okay. Um, I don't. I don't even know how. So uh, to, you want to talk yeah. off? You want to talk some Cub offense, huh? Sure. Sure. Yeah. What so the hell's going short, on? So this will be a short conversation. Uh, they yes. are. Um, they are struggling. I don't know if you heard that or not. I don't yeah. know if you uh, understood. They only have uh, 21 hits in six games. Ugh. So um, do the math, and. Uh, you won't choose McGrath. You will just come up with a number around 3.6, somewhere around that per game. And You're on fire tonight, man. You are on uh, fire. Well, you know, you have to hit all the good advertisers that are on the score and Absolutely. everybody who uh, chips in. But uh, with with the offense right now, I you know, I, I wouldn't be concerned about it right now. I mean, I would... The first week of the season, Mark, we, we, I've talked about this with you almost every year uh, at the beginning of the year when teams struggled, whether it's the White Sox or the Cubs struggling to score runs. And it's, you know, it's the NFL mentality like, oh, you fall to three and four if you're the White Sox. The Cubs are only three and three. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl's only in 15 weeks. You know, no. Uh, you, we have 100 and, uh, 156 games left for one team and 155 for the other. So it's, it's going to be okay. Uh, I thought it was um, interesting to watch uh, some of the pitchers pitch so well for the Cubs uh, this uh, this start here. Uh, everybody was wondering if their starting pitching was going to be good enough uh, to compete, and so far I think it's it's shown very well. Uh, Hendricks had the only real bad start for the Cubs opening day, and that you could attribute to 30 degree weather. He showed he showed pretty well today, throwing six shutout innings and. Uh, Doing what he does best. I mean, you're you're right, Bruce. About and yeah, yeah. Hendricks was Hendricks today. I mean, he he got it. Whatever tiny little jams he got in, he pitched expertly out of them. Like in the in the fourth inning, the leadoff double to Yelich got out of that. In the sixth inning, he had first and third one out. Uh, ultimately, got out of that one as well. But can't we be worried about the Cubs' offense? Considering, although it's early, considering this is more of the same from. From last year, isn't it? Isn't it something that we that yeah, of has course. To... I mean, uh, you're right, Mark. I mean, I wrote it on 670thescore.com today. The fact that uh, you know there there isn't great concern from the players or the manager right now, but you know, hitting 220 last year, being 27th in the league in that department, uh, you know, causes a little bit of anxiety. And I, I think it, you know, if they're honest, I think they they would tell you that uh, there's anxiety for them, too, because uh, they, they felt that uh, the offense was going to be picked up. Jack Peterson looked like a, a world beater in spring training. He was fantastic, had eight home runs, led Cactus League in RBIs. He was, uh, he was terrific. So uh, there are some good additions there. It's a stronger bench than it was last year. But nonetheless, uh, they started off slowly. Brandon Woodruff is a hell of a pitcher. There's no doubt about that. He he seven shutout innings, allowing uh, one hit on on his watch. What what it looks like to me for some of the the Cubs hitters, and this is not like a a brand new concept, but I saw Ian Happ and Chris Bryant um, just miss their pitches. Like the, there it, there were pit there were hittable pitches from the Brewers bullpen and from Woodruff. 
and the Cubs just for whatever reason, and the weather's been good. It's been a hit hitters conditions the last couple of days. It's like they're missing their pitches. Is it anything more complex than that in terms of what you've seen from the offense? I I will not agree with you on Woodruff. I thought he was he was filthy today. Uh, you know, if you think hitting 97 of uh, rising fastball from him is easy, um, you know, sure, there are a lot of guys that throw 97, 98, but this guy had great command, and when he threw the breaking ball, uh, you know, it was lights out for these hitters. So uh, I agree with you about the bullpen part of it. There were mm-hmm. there were situations that they should have capitalized on. They didn't. You know, shame on them. But, uh, you know, again, it's not all doom and gloom for the Chicago Cubs. I think there's a lot of positives you take out of uh, this first week here, and I think it starts with the pitching. The defense, uh, for the most part today, wasn't great, but – uh, for the uh, most of the homestand, it was as good as it was last year, and it was the best defensive team in baseball, according to uh, the stats and all the uh, uh, different awards that were given out last year. So from that perspective, um, I think Ross has still a good defense. I think the bullpen is still evolving. We'll have to see what that is about. And I think the starting pitching is evolving as well. But there are some good signs out there, so... I would not go too close to the ledge if I'm a Cub fan at this point. I don't think it's doom and gloom. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I agree with that. And honestly, even though Jock Peterson had been hitless up until he hit the home run, he's he's not a guy that I'm worried about because of what he did in the spring, because he's on a prove-it one-year deal, and he absolutely demolish that baseball today off of Devin Williams. I still think he's going to put together a monster year. Do you agree with that on Peterson? I think he's going to hit a lot of home runs. I, I, I cannot tell you what he's going to hit for an average because uh, career-wise, he's not an average hitter. But, you know, most uh, metrics people don't really care about batting average all that much. They care about OPS. They care about, uh, you know, the run production, scoring, and driving him in. And uh, I think he should be a valuable part. He might be an upgrade uh, for uh, where Kyle Schwarber was, but we'll, we'll have to let that play out. The one guy I would say... I was disappointed in his at-bats this week was Javier Baez. Mm. He came up a number of times with men in scoring position and less than uh, two out. And I never fault a guy for making it out. I never think that Javier Baez is not trying because he always is. But uh, I think, you know, swinging the way he did in those situations a lot of times on the first pitch trying to hit like a 500-foot home run. Uh, I expect more from him at this point. This is a multi-all-star uh, player. He's the guy that, that was uh, tied with uh, John Lester for the MVP of the National League Championship Series in 2016. He's an accomplished guy, a gold glove winner. Uh, at 28, uh, his game should be, you know, at its very best. And... Uh, when he goes up there and he doesn't play team ball uh, by trying to hit a 500-foot home run with runners in scoring position, uh, that disappoints me. He's better than that. Does he have to prove himself again this year, Bruce? Not to based me. On last year? Not, okay. to, not to me. I don't think. Well, yeah. I mean, but you, you know, I mean, to to baseball because this is a guy working on. I think an, he has extension. to prove it to himself. I think yeah. more to himself than anything else because last year was so abysmal that um, he was just. You know, I mean, if you, you say that Javier Baez has a OPS of 600, I mean, that's just, 
that's impossible. He can do that in one homestand. He can make a an OPS that's going to stand bigger than he did for the whole year last year. So uh, I expect a lot from him. I think he's a terrifically talented player and can be and was a few years ago one of the top seven or eight players in the National League. He's just got to get back to using right center field like he can. This guy can hit 300 or 320 if he used right center all the time and just wore it out. When he's done that in the past, he's been almost impossible to get out. He's that type of productive hitter. So he needs to get back to that world. If he can do that, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, he's he's always at his best when he's thinking thinking oppo. He does damaging things with that bat for sure. Bruce, what do you think about the way David Ross so far has used Alec Mills? Closed out a game and then came in late today, gave up the home run. What 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 do you think about the way he's being used out of the bullpen? He's surprised that he's a late inning guy. Are you saying he's the designated home run giver? Yes, that's exactly what I was saying. Yes, he is the he is there to give up home runs. But why? What is it about him that he that, does he have that late inning bullpen mentality? It just I've been surprised with where Alec Mills he, has been used. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I think I think he's dependable to David Ross. In okay. other words, he will be prepared to go in late. He will be prepared to go in in the middle of the game. He will, you know, Mark. He will get starts. He will be a starter at times this year when they decide to give the rotation an extra day rest and uh, put him in as a sixth starter. So um, I think, you know, it's the overused term of the Swiss Army knife where the guy can do just about everything. But uh, I think he will. And I also think that if he gives up a solo home run or he gets in a situation where, um, you know, he has to be used for a couple innings to bridge a game, it's not going to impact him or affect him or, uh, you know, shake him up. I think he's a dependable guy. Every, every, every manager has to have a dependable guy that can wear it for the manager once in a while. And I think Mills can do that, and I think he can pitch in more important roles as well. Brewster, this has been great as always. That, that's told, it? I'm being told. I was told by Mike Rankin, we got we to gotta let you go. He said something about you've so got what positions he said, to get back to. Yeah. What he said was, this is not going well. Get rid of him. <laughs> I'm bored. No, that that was only in the beginning. I think I think we I think we, we had a pretty strong performance. You know what I mean? A little levity in the beginning, a um, little innuendo, and then we got hardcore baseball. Bruce, this has really been the perfect interview. This will be talked about will, for years. I will stand on my position always. <laughs> Do well. Be well. I will talk to you soon, Mark. Take care. Uh, All right. That is the one and only Bruce Levine talking about the Cubs who lost to the Brewers today 4-2 in 10 innings. What are the Cubs? Oh, yeah. They have another day game tomorrow at Pittsburgh because that would be the Pirates' home opener. So the Cubs at PNC Park to play the Pirates. They are, again, the Midwest day off on Friday. Is Pittsburgh really the Midwest, though? No. Um, 5.35 game on Saturday here on the score. 12.05 game on Sunday. And then the Cubs will be off to, or at, I should say, Milwaukee. I when we return, you're going to want to stick around. I haven't heard this yet, but it sounds like Tony La Russa, from what I've been reading, 
some of the quotes I've been checking out. Tony La Russa has some interesting things to say about his White Sox 8-4 loss to Seattle, including Tony looking inward about a, a rough sixth inning for Matt Foster and, quite frankly, a rough inning for Tony La Russa. That's next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.